Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activist empowerment talk radio, speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens! Coming home to loose. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening. For you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Joy, Bobo Shanti This is Anthony Smith I sent Cole for my heart I am Troy Davis Jolivet Williams, the woman's song, community, experience, radio broadcast. And I am Troy Davis. And you will be too if you remain silent. This is JC from Compton, California. And I am Troy Davis. Peace. Paul Hayes, Decatur, Georgia. I am Troy Davis. Been fighting for him for years. This is Tondi. And I am Troy Davis. My name is Amate Kimsa, and I am Troy's brother, Power. This is Mia, and I am Troy Davis. All right, my name is Mike Zell. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am Troy Davis. I'm Xavier, and I'm from Atlanta, and I'm Troy Davis. My name is Yehuda Torre, and I am Troy Davis. Uh, my name is Justice Torre, and... I am Troy Davis. This is Alita Torre. And I am Troy Davis. I'm Deborah Grant. I'm in Houston, Texas. And I am Troy Davis. 
This is Ife Kwali Shakur from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am Troy Davis. This is Anunnaki Netheret calling from England, UK. I am Troy Davis. Set me free. I am innocent. This is Aina B, Atlanta by way of Detroit, and I am Troy Davis. This is Michael Paul, and I am Troy Davis. This is Timothy Killers, and I am Troy Davis. Yeah, this is Mr. Ochoa. If y'all ain't sure that that man did that ish, y'all shouldn't convict that ish. You know what I'm saying? I'll come to have a Troy Davis. If he did it, and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt he did it, then you do it. But if you don't, in the circumstances, you got to acquit it. You got to forget it. Let that man live if y'all ain't got enough proof. I'm La Amon. I am Troy Davis. My name's Adrian. I'm from New Orleans, and I am Troy Davis. Thank you. This is Julia McKinnon, and I am Troy Davis. My name is Erica Boyd. I'm from Atlanta, and I am Troy Davis. You could be Troy Davis, too. This is Tawana, and I am Troy Davis. Hi, my name is Naeem Waters, and I am Troy Davis. My name is Jose Sanchez from Atlanta, and I am Troy Davis. I am Troy Davis. Del McLean, Cop Watch of East Atlanta. I am Troy Davis. My name is Marlon. I'm in East Atlanta. I am Troy Davis. Free all political prisoners. My name is Vincent Castellenti, Atlanta, Georgia. I am Troy Davis. My name is Carter Thomas, Atlanta Industrial Workers of the World. I am Troy Davis. I'm William Garnett of Alpharetta, Georgia. I am Troy Davis. Pardon him. Quasi, Ronald Harris, Chicago, Illinois. Speak out, take action, fight back. Groove Salsa, freedom now for Troy Davis. At this point in time, we must recognize no physical evidence. Release him. No murder weapon. Release him. A claim to innocence, never heard. Release him. Seven of the nine eyewitnesses recanted. Release him. Stop the execution of Troy Davis. In the spirit of our ancestors, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Who's salsa? Freedom now. Love you, Troy Davis. I am Troy Davis. Blood of African kings run in my veins. Here in that Jamaica, rebellious offspring. We've got a warrior spirit inside. From that time, we can't change. And it's a warrior spirit inside. It comes from break every shackle and chain. Man, a shackle Zulu. Ritney and Kuma. Ritney, Kunta Kinte. Ritney, just like Malcolm and Martin and Marcus and Fiery. Kuma. Ritney, Bella Kute. Ritney, Kunta Kinte. And good evening to you and welcome to Our Common Ground. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Troy Davis case. The order was signed on September 6th at 3.53 p.m. And it states, within a time period commencing at noon on the 21st day of September, Troy Anthony Davis shall be executed by the Department of Corrections. The precise date and time of the execution was 
set shortly thereafter. It shall happen September 21st at 7 p.m., and the method will be lethal injection. And tonight we are going to be talking about, again, what you could do to assist on yesterday 669,000 petitions asking the Georgia Pardons Board to stop this execution through their clemency process was delivered to that board. I, I think that there may be some of you who might not know very much about this case. Uh, at TruthWorks Network, uh, this week we have been running a tr- Troy Davis teach-in. We will continue to do that until uh, we know whether or not the law will get in the way of justice. This is our common ground, and we invite your calls at 347-838-9852. want to tell you uh, a little about this case. Troy Anthony Davis was convicted and sentenced to death in 1991 for the 1989 murder of an off-duty Savannah police officer, and that officer's name was Mark Allen McPhail. Davis's conviction was based largely on eyewitness testimony. And in the intervening years, the case against him has completely fallen apart. You will hear tonight in uh, audio documentary, seven out of the nine eyewitnesses have either recanted or contradicted their trial testimony. In the trial, the only physical evidence, which was ballistics testing, that the state brought against him was later discredited and withdrawn. And new witnesses have come forward identifying the shooter as Sylvester Red Coles. Ironically enough, the very man who first implicated Davis by going to the police the day after the murder, indicating that he saw Davis commit this crime. Now, throughout all of this, Troy Davis's case has undergone a, a remarkable number of twists and turns, even for a capital case. And in spite of each new revelation, Davis has been turned down time after time, often in very closely divided rulings. Given that the evidence used to convict Davis has so fully unraveled, the question tonight is, how is it possible that he has been unable to find relief in the court system? And this is what I propose, that the answer is quite simple. The U.S. legal system is woefully inadequate in its ability to deal with post-conviction claims of actual innocence. Once a defendant is convicted of a crime, the presumption of innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt simply 
evaporates, and the burden of proof then shifts to the convicted defendant. In this case, the judge who held an evidentiary hearing at the beginning of this month ruled that Davis did not show that he was innocent. There's something else that I think we have to consider, and that is that the appellate courts are hindered by a very narrow focus on procedure and technicalities. So where we find ourselves, and again, thank you for joining us tonight, is that we find ourselves as an activist community, a community that cares about justice, having the law to be an impediment to justice. We want to hear your thoughts on the Troy Davis case, and we want to especially hear what you have done. Here are some things that you can do. You can organize rallies in your area. Organizing a rally um, takes time. You can set up teach-ins. That takes time. But you can also go to and sign. Petitions are still out there at colorofchange.org, amnestyinternational.com, and you can set up vigils. This week at Our Common Ground, we will be setting up a vigil starting on Monday night at 10 p.m., each night until September 21st. We will hold on-air vigils, and we invite you to join us. And you can also call the governor. Nathan Deal and ask him to intervene with the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles. You can also call, and, and I'll give you these numbers during the broadcast. You can also call the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles. But one of the things that you must do is take action, and you can go to Take Action dot amnestyusa.org and you can find out more than we are going to share with you uh, tonight at troyanthonydavis.org and I ask you to do that I also am asking our listeners who are not in our chat room to come into our chat room and to join in this discussion one of the things that is core and key to this issue is what we, how we have not been paying attention about the issue of capital punishment. And in our documentary, our audio tonight, we're going to share with you some of the very important things that are going on so that you can join the struggle to stop capital punishment in this country. Capital punishment, taking a life for a life, 
is essentially, in my mind, a violation of human rights. And if you'd like to call us and talk about that, how you feel about capital punishment, our number is 347-838-9852. So as we begin tonight, we're going to review this whole case of of um, <clears throat> uh, Troy Davis. We're going to be asking you to go to takeaction.amnesty.us. Oh, well, I don't want to screw that up. Takeaction.amnestyusa.org and sign the petition. Petitions will still be delivered next week. We're asking you to call the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles. We also need to examine why we have waited so long. For those of you who may not know, this is the third, this will be the 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 fourth execution dates um, faced by Troy Davis since he was convicted in 1991. Many of these witnesses have stated in sworn affidavits that they were pressured or coerced by police into testifying or signing statements against Troy Davis. There's another part. Um, there are so many issues inside the Troy Davis case that we need to talk about. And one of them is why we have failed to protest and resist the notion of capital punishment in this country. That is not to say that there are not people who have not been working on the issue. That is to say that when you look at the delivery of 663,000 petitions that were collected over a one-and-a-half-week period, those petitions at that level of activism should have been delivered on the issue of capital punishment in the first week of a new president. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our number is 347-838-9852, and we want to hear your voice. The state of Georgia does not have to execute Troy Davis. Uh, and it should not execute Troy Davis. There is one fail-safe built into the system that still exists, and that's the clemency process. The judicial system has not provided Troy Davis with uh, relief in this case, um, despite the um, substantial doubts about the accuracy of the conviction. The procedural bars that prevent courts sometimes from getting to what's right. Uh, the Georgia Board of Pardons and, Pardons and Paroles is not uh, bound by those procedural bars. So they can sort of get to the issue of, is this the right thing to do? Because I find this conviction and this sentence so troubling, 
Um, what I would like to see the parole board do is not only exercise the power of clemency to set aside the death penalty. I think that is, is an absolute moral and legal necessity in this case, if for no other reason that it is so terribly unfair to the jurors themselves to allow this death penalty to proceed when the evidence on which they relied um, has now been disproved and some of it withdrawn by the state itself. They can consider things that will be irrelevant to a court, such as uh, whether a defendant is remorseful or whether a defendant has uh, done some, you know, really exemplary things in prison. Um, no court would care about any of that. But the Board of Pardons and Paroles can care and has cared. And in Troy Davis's case, um, the Board of Pardons and Paroles can consider the fact that so many of these witnesses have recanted the problems with forensic science in the case, the problems with eyewitness testimony, the problems with snitch testimony. I think the parole board should listen to the witnesses. Um, many of the critical witnesses were teenagers in this tension-fraught, fear-filled atmosphere back in 1989 in Savannah. Um, they, if they were believable enough then to allow them to testify and support a verdict of murder and a death penalty, they should be believable now as mature adults who are coming forward and saying, we were frightened, terrified young men, and we did what we thought the police wanted us to do. And it has haunted us for 20 years. If Troy Davis's um, execution is allowed to go forward, I think it would um, leave a black eye on uh, the American system of justice, but also the Georgia system of justice. Um, I think people around the world are watching this case. They're waiting to see what um, this country and this state are going to do. I think the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles should commute Troy Davis's sentence. I'm disturbed at the idea that we would execute um, someone, we would take his life with all of these problems and all of these questions still lingering. The Board of Pardons and Paroles still has an opportunity uh, to um, stop this execution from occurring uh, and that's what it should do. I just don't think that executing him is the right thing to do. The right thing to do would be to commute his sentence. Amnesty International got interested in Troy Davis's case because the more we learned about it, the more we realized how much it encapsulates so much of what is wrong and broken with the U.S. death penalty system. about the death penalty and this is about Troy Davis. Troy Davis's case reaffirms my belief uh, that we ought not to have the death penalty. The Troy Davis case has garnered so much attention all the way around the world because of this question of innocence. And the question of innocence I think really magnifies some of the root moral issues of the death penalty. There is no person that could support the idea of somebody being executed who didn't actually commit the crime.
crime for which that person has been convicted. I'm here uh, for Troy Davis, who faces execution soon. The original victim in the Troy Davis case is Officer Mark Allen McPhail. His human right to life was violated. Justice must be served in his case, but taking another human life, particularly under these circumstances, really only creates a further injustice. This case has really called people's attention the fact that the United States criminal justice system has some serious problems, systemic issues of injustice. What people are already thinking about the system is that we don't, the system doesn't care. It doesn't care whether you're innocent or not. It certainly doesn't care if you're poor. <laughs> it really doesn't care if you're black or Hispanic. We know from our work in Amnesty that poor people and ethnic minorities uh, are more likely to face the death penalty than anybody else. It seems more than a likelihood and really a certainty that this country has put to death innocent people. The statistics really are quite overwhelming about the problems with the application of the death penalty system. Um, this is a system that is riddled with bias and error. The death penalty presents a false promise in the idea that one person's life can be repaid with another person's life. Uh, really what you end up with is a deepening of the cycle of violence it pits two innocent families against each other, the family of the person on death row and the family of the crime victim. And both go through tremendous suffering in the process of the death penalty. The death penalty in the United States is not just a human rights violation, it has failed public policy. It fails to deter crime. In study after study, that has been proven and it is an enormous waste of resources. It costs far more to support the death penalty than it does other alternatives, including life without parole. The death penalty diverts important attention and needed resources to real solutions uh, to preventing violent crime, to dealing with the aftermath of violent crime, including tending to the needs of murder victims' families and badly needed resources with local law enforcement. Many years ago when we started this campaign, the death penalty was being used in many countries around the world. We are winning this campaign. We will think that the progress is too slow. The progress is too slow. But we will continue our efforts until we see that day with a world that is free uh, of the death penalty. No matter if that is done at the hands of someone who commits murder or at the hands of the state who is doing it under the auspices of legally sanctioned killing. The taking of human life uh, is a human rights violation. I think one of the things that we really have to do is we have to understand that we are living in a police state. We are seriously living under democratic fascism. Where the delusion or the illusion of the vote doesn't remove the fact that to the government Every American citizen is a potential terrorist. Each one of you is a potential terrorist. You're not a potential contributor 
to the common weal, to the betterment of society. You're held in suspicion as a potential terrorist. Your police agencies spy on you. They go to your mosque and to your churches. They twist your words and they make you into a terrorist. So we have to challenge, in my view, the political power of the police. We have to take on community control of public safety. We have to transform the relationship between the police and the public. As it stands today, the police believe that we work for them. They work for you. So what do we have to do? I think in this city, given the history of the police, it's racism. The harassment that is business on poor communities every day. We see them every day in the streets. That we should use the ballot box, the referendum, to call for decentralization of public safety. We need to build a coalition in this city to take the power of the police and their ability to police our communities out of the hands of bureaucrats and politicians and put them in the hands of community people, in the hands of our people. The police should be servants of the people and not the people subjected to the police power. We have to challenge the political power of law enforcement. Because if we don't challenge the political power of law enforcement, any civil servant who takes the test today and gets a gun tomorrow can murder you with impunity. We have to understand that we can police ourselves better than anyone else. We have to build communities where the police live and work in our communities. The police have to live and work in our communities. They should be from amongst us. Then we don't have to worry about unsafe streets because his children are using those streets. We don't need a professional down at City Hall, a Bratton, who they call over to the UK to give them advice on how to control the niggas in the UK. We don't need that. We need community district policing boards, public safety in our community. Each community should determine how policing policy is carried out in their community. We need a residency clause. The police shouldn't brutalize black people in Harlem and then go live out in Long Island in a nice, safe house? The judge, the judge in the district court shouldn't pass judgment on poor, unemployed black youth and then go out to the Hamptons and live comfortably. We need accountability. That's what Chase said. Chase said, accountability. We have to hold law enforcement accountable to the people and the needs of this city. And we can do it through referendum. We can build a coalition across class lines, across gender lines. We can mobilize the vote. We can talk about getting votes back for the ex-offenders. Ex-offenders have to come forward and speak for themselves. There are 65 million people in this country with criminal convictions. Where is their voice? 
Where is the constituency? Where are the elected officials that represent them when they can't get a job because they have a criminal record? Brothers and sisters, in this city, we need to decentralize public safety. We need to use the ballot box and the referendum to register voters so that this becomes an issue in this campaign year. That New York City need police that serve the community and that come from the community and that have the needs of the community at heart. Until we do that, we're going to be subjected to the terror of these SWAT teams, these people running around with guns in our community, the war on drugs that are criminalizing our generations. Until we stand down the police, the police will continue to brutalize and dominate us. So what we need is a broad coalition in this city to decentralize public safety. One of the loudest moments of applause the other night at the Republican presidential debate at the Ronald Reagan Center in California was when Governor Perry, who's the front runner in the race right now from Texas, uh, talked about the hundreds of people who've been killed in Texas as a result of death penalty, and the applause was thunderous. Governor Perry, question about Texas. Uh, uh, your state has executed 234 death row inmates, more than any other governor in modern times. Have you, have you struggled to sleep at night um, uh, with the idea that any one of those might have been uh, innocent? No, sir, I've never struggled with that at all. Um, I wanted to leave this open for someone just to take the mic on the issue of the death penalty. Whether we're talking about Troy Davis right now in Georgia, uh, has now the fourth death warrant has been signed. I think it's for September 21st, somewhere in there. Mumia Abu-Jamal in Pennsylvania. What about the politics of the death penalty and organizing around it and what the death penalty means in this country? Lately, I've been thinking about the death penalty, and uh, this is a Christian nation. I mean, this is what they, they present to the world. This is a Christian nation. And when I look at Jesus Christ on that cross, that cross was the electric chair of that time. That cross was the lynch rope, the hangman's noose at that time. That cross was the instrument of death. And they killed, they put Jesus on that cross. They put him in between two criminals. And they murdered him. They gave him a death sentence, the death penalty. And it amazes me how this country that claims to be followers of Jesus Christ could maintain a death penalty <laughs> when every time they go into church every Sunday morning <laughs> they see Jesus Christ on the cross. They see him as the victim of the death penalty. I mean, it's, it's just totally illogical. Jesus was a community organizer. He was one of us, and they murdered him. They murdered him. They executed him, just like they're going to do to Troy Davis, Mumia Abu-Jamal, if we don't stand up and support them every step of the way. 
And in less than 24 hours, Dwayne Edward Buck will be executed unless the governor steps in. In his trial, jurors were told he represented a continuing threat to society, in part because he was black. Fox 26's Greg Grugan has been following the fight to win Buck more time. Greg? Don, Dwayne Buck's family knows he doesn't deserve to be a free man. What they want is a fresh chance to plead for his life without the issue of race playing a role. It's hard to miss the bullet scar on Phyllis Taylor's chest, a bullet fired by her own brother, Dwayne Buck, during a murderous 1995 rampage that landed the Houston man on death row. On the eve of her brother's scheduled execution, Phyllis Taylor is pleading for clemency. Every human being deserves a fair trial, and we ask that, as a surviving victim, that Dwayne Buck life be spared by the state. But unless Governor Rick Perry grants a reprieve, Buck will die because he shot and killed his girlfriend and the man she was with, and because an all-white jury viewed him as a continuing threat to society. Advocates for the condemned man say the jury's belief was tainted by the testimony of this man, psychologist Walter Quijano. You had a racist psychologist and psychotherapist take the stand as an expert witness. And during this brother's trial, this man said that because he's black, he has a high propensity for violent crime, so therefore the jury sentenced this man, Dwayne Buck, to death. Quijano's controversial testimony has poisoned other capital prosecutions, resulting in six new trials for death row defendants. Wayne Buck is the only one that has not. He is due this right. Buck's allies hope Perry's presidential campaign statements will help inspire a reprieve. At the end of the day, I am always going to err on the side of life. Buck's sister Monique says it's time for the governor to walk the walk. But once you put a person to death, you can't bring them back. Harris County District Attorney Pat Likas also has the authority to request a temporary reprieve for Buck. Today, Likas said no. Don? So, Greg, obviously the governor is in this presidential race. Is there, does the family believe that because of the spotlight that Perry's under right now that there may be a chance that he'll step in here? Well, I think there's hope on their part, but I think the political reality is I don't think Rick Perry is going to step in and offer Buck a reprieve. I think that uh, he has already made his statement as a strong supporter of capital punishment, and I don't think he's going to back down now. All right. Greg Rigan, thank you. The execution of Mr. Buck was stayed, not by Rick Perry. You're listening to Our Common Ground, and tonight we're examining the case of Troy Davis. An execution is scheduled for September 21st. The critical question um, that even the appellate courts had to face is a, a question, ironically enough, that a court cannot. Uh, the system prevents the courts from asking. And that question is what is going to be before the Georgia Board of Pardons on Monday. And the question is, is the conviction that was obtained at trial still reliable today? You know, um, a case such as Troy Davis's can go through the system over and over without being granted relief, 
despite substantial doubts about the accuracy of the conviction itself, and that is a problem with our appellate or appeals process. And that is the point of when the law gets in the way of justice. But in a very highly unusual move, in August of 2009, the U.S. Supreme Court, in this case, ordered an evidentiary hearing for Troy Davis, granting him the opportunity to prove innocence. It was the first time in, 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 in almost 50 years that the Supreme Court granted an original habeas petition, a direct petition, rather than as an appeal through lower courts. The hearing was held before the U.S. District Court Judge William Moore in June 2010. Four witnesses from the 1991 trial took the stand and recanted their original testimony, testifying that their initial statements against Davis were procured from the police by coercion and intimidation. An example, Darrell D.D. Collins was 16 years old the night of the murder. He testified at the 2010 hearing that the police threatened to charge him as an accessory to the murder if he did not cooperate and sign a statement implicating Davis. Three different witnesses came forward and implicated Sylvester Coles as the actual shooter. Benjamin Gordon, related to Coles by marriage, testified that he actually saw Coles pull the trigger. The evidentiary hearing was the first time that all of this new evidence was considered, but it was not a retrial. In a retrial, the prosecution would have the burden of proving beyond a reasonable doubt that Davis was guilty. In the evidentiary hearing, the burden was on Davis to clearly establish his innocence. Now, keep in mind in the original trial where, where the prosecution had the burden of proving that he was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, Davis did not have benefit of adequate or consistent counsel. I think that that is something for which the courts have got to begin to look at during trial. The quality, consistency, and the quality of counsel. So in 2010, William Moore, the judge, rendered his decision, and he admitted in a 174-page order that the case against Davis may not be, quote, ironclad, and that the hearing cast some additional minimal doubt. And he ruled that Davis had not established innocence. Davis's attorneys, in, in turn, tried to appeal Moore's decision, but no court was willing to review it. The 11th Circuit Court ruled that it lacked jurisdiction, and on March 28, 2011, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to consider the final appeal, appeal, clearing the way 
for last week's order of execution. This is Davis's fourth execution date in as many years, but this time the legal process has been exhausted. And I'm wondering if there are those of you out there who once believed that capital punishment is an adequate tool of the American justice system, have now, by reviewing this Troy Davis case, changed your minds. Our number, 347-838-9852. We'd like to hear from you. Now, this whole idea uh, in the Troy Davis case of um, clemency, clemency is a English word that comes out of a Latin word, which means mercy. Davis's death warrant brings some hope for, for those of us who are working to prevent this execution. His best and last hope is clemency, a process that could only be set into motion once the execution date was set. The clemency hearing will be on Monday, September 19th, two days before the scheduled execution. In the state of Georgia, the governor does not have the authority to extend clemency or a clemency order. Davis will have this clemency order in front of the five-member Georgia State Board of Pardons and Parole. At the end of the hearing, the board will decide by way of majority vote whether to grant Troy Davis clemency. Though he has been denied by the same board clemency in the past, the board's membership has changed since Davis's last hearing. And in the interim, new witnesses have come forward. One of the things that we have to be clear about is that a clemency hearing functions a little different, not a great deal differently than processes within the court system. The board, this is why it is so important for you to call the Board of Pardons and Parole. The Board of Pardons and Parole has far more discretion in its decision making than a court has and is not bound by some narrow focus on procedure. In Troy Davis's case, the Board of Pardons and Paroles can consider the fact that so many of these witnesses have recanted. The problems with the forensic science in the case, the problems with eyewitness testimony, and the problems with snitch testimony. The board can consider things that would be irrelevant to a court, and that is why it is so important for calls to go into this board. Now, we're calling on the Georgia State Board of Pardons and Parole 
to adhere to a statement that it made in 2007, stating that it would not allow an execution, quote, to proceed in this state unless and until its members are convinced that there is no doubt as to the guilt of the accused. If clemency is granted, it will most likely be in the form of permanently taking Troy Davis off death row and commuting his sentence to life. That is another question of the miscarriage of justice in this in this uh, case. I don't think that Troy Davis, even given the position that he's in right now, relishes the idea of life in prison for a crime that he maintains he did not commit. But, You know, you can you can release an innocent man from prison, but you can't release him from the grave. Now, Amnesty International, the NAACP, the National Action Network, Color of Change, People of Faith Against Death Penalty, Georgians for Alternatives to the Death Penalty, the ACLU, and many other organizations have sprung into action in this last week, organizing marches and vigils and circulating petitions. And as I said earlier, 663,000 petitions were delivered to this Georgia Board of Pardons this week. We'd like to hear your take on what must happen here, what we must do, what we must do uh, going forward is something that we want to talk to talk with you about in our second hour. Five eight five, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Five eight five. Yeah, how you doing? Good. How are you this evening, sir? Oh, fine. Um, from New York. My uh, my take on the whole situation is I think that they're trying to see how we're going to react to killing innocent people because there's much more to come. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sorry, I didn't get that last part. Because what? There's much more to come. There's much more to come. Yeah. What do you think there is to come? Um, killing more innocent people. It's sort of a um, population control measure. A way to get rid of unwanted masses of people. Uh huh. So you're thinking that if they execute Troy Davis then it's going to mean they're going to escalate aggressively the execution orders that are already in place? Not only if they execute them, but what is our um, response to it before, or and after? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think our response will be if he is executed? 
Um, probably just uh, probably just a lot of complaining, you know, like like always. Well, when you say a lot of complaining, what do you mean? You mean protests or? In, in what form uh, will the complaining come? I don't even I, I don't even know if it'll it'll go to protest as far as it already been. I think it'll it'll die down over you know I guess a mm-hmm. couple of months, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you what you have done in response to to the uh, execution order. For Troy Davis, um, I've called the, the board of um, whatever that board is. I called that number and also signed a petition. Mhm. And 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 have you been involved in any kind of protest or uh, activism in regard to the death penalty before? Um. Actually, my state is, doesn't have a death penalty, so it's, it's not a lot of activity on uh, regarding that kind of uh-huh. that kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how long have you been involved in the Troy Davis case? Um, as far as I've heard about it, which which was on Facebook, because the media is not really talking about it. Yeah, they're so little snippets. But the first I heard of it, it was um, from Facebook friends. You know, just kind oh, of I see. Mm-hmm. So it's been in the last year, last year and a half. <laughs> Actually, it's been in the last uh, two or three, two or three weeks. Uh huh. And what do you th- what are your thoughts about about this case? Um, about this case. With with all of the doubt. That's bef- uh, that centers in this case with the reca- recanting of witnesses. Um, why do you think that the court did not remove uh, the him from death row and order a new trial? Well, I mean, it's the same as with Mumia and countless uh, brothers. Um, mm-hmm. To basically vilify uh, the black population and mm-hmm. kind of keep them at bay. Mm-hmm. Then use, so, use so you're them. saying that this country, despite the fact, despite the fact that so many other countries ha- uh, who are not in their ideology about justice and democracy, uh, you are, are are saying that you think the U.S. utilizes the death penalty as popu- as a as a form of population control. A uh, form of population control, as well as um, I guess practicing um, racism, white supremacy. Mhm. Mhm. It kind of, it kind of all works together. Mhm. Were Were you one of the people who um, 
viewed the GOP presidential debate uh, last week when um, people were applauding because Rick Perry was bragging that he had, during his 11 years in office, he had put to death 235 con- convicted killers. Well, did you watch that debate? I'm sort of turned off by politics, so I, I didn't watch it, but I did hear about it. Mm-hmm. That's, okay. That's, that's, what, what's your response to that? That's common on racism, white supremacy. I mean, he mm-hmm. he he has to do that in order to appeal to his voting bloc. Mhm, mhm. And 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 yet you still say that. Um, while you have some some thoughts and you have taken some action on the Troy uh, Troy Davis case, that you're not really that involved in politics, and and I want to say to you, but indeed you are, because the death penalty, capital punishment, is a political issue. You just well, made I'm the case. About, I'm talking about as far as. The um, the circus atmosphere at mm-hmm. um at the debate. Now, as far as mm-hmm. taking action, I'm about taking action, but mm-hmm. you know, I, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't really get into the uh, the satire or the theater mm-hmm. politics. So, other um, you filed a petition and you made phone calls. What other kinds of things did you do in regard to the Troy Davis case? Um, just kind of talk about it, made uh, more people aware of it, and mm-hmm. you know, inform them as to what they need to do. Mhm, mhm. Well, that is um, one of the things. I mean, that is a direct action when you start talking to other people and asking them to do some things, then that's a direct action. May I ask you what part of the country you're in? Oh, New York. Okay, okay. So did you go to the rally for Troy Davis? There was a rally in Brooklyn on yesterday. Well, actually, I'm I'm like eight hours away from the city, so. Oh, I see. Uh huh. Are people in your town talking about it? People in my town are this where I stay at. This is a, a conservative uh, GOP uh, mm-hmm. dominated town. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Well, one of the things that I get concerned about is that in areas like that, in areas like where you live and in the hinterlands, I happen to live in the city, but one of the things that happens is people get isolated from these kinds of issues about what this means for them. Um, They don't translate it into, which is why I love the I Am Troy Davis campaign, Uh, and we played some audio about the calls that are being made. I was one of the people that made calls to that that number uh, to to voice my um, solidarity with this movement to stop this execution. And 
it it just gives it, it helps us support our spirit of resistance against this kind of injustice because there's no other way that you can describe it there here is a man who is who is going to been ordered to be put to death in the face of so much doubt about his innocence or guilt and you know one of the things that also disturbs me and I don't know if you've paid attention to this is that we talk about justice for people who are victims this is no justice for his family or for him as a victim it does not honor his victimhood when we're pu- when we're talking about putting to death someone who may not have done it and we're not investigating someone who might have done it right we're still a killer at large exactly and the other is and I want to make it very perfectly clear to my audience I believe that there should be no capital punishment in this country because there are too many inconsistent, incompetent factors that go into the investigation of crimes. Too many people who are innocent. Not, Not only that, but people that don't have access to capital that are innocent still can't prove they're innocent. You're you're absolutely right. Hey, listen, I hope you'll stay with us uh during our vigil this week. We'll be here every night, ten PM. Uh I will just be teaching the Troy Davis case and making the case, I hope, successfully to get people involved in fighting against the the human rights violation of uh, capital punishment. I'm going to take another call, but thank you so much, 585, for, for your call. You can also join us in our I, chat room. Another, one other thing before I go? Yes. Um, the, the other thing I'm concerned about is that after after this, um, after this problem is over, there's countless of others that don't get national attention. And that's why we've got to work on the issue of capital punishment. And that's why I'm posing the question, why did we wait so long? You're absolutely right. Because justice costs money in this country. And that is another question. Justice should be, if it is, if we're a question for just. If our courts are going to stand behind its own premise of justice for all, then justice shouldn't cost. Thanks, 585. We're going to go to 972. You're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Hello, Janice and company. Hey there, Sarah. How are you? I'm in rare form as usual. It's been a while. I have not... I missed the show a couple weekends. I believe you were off for one week, I believe. Yeah, I was off for one week. Uh, getting ready, um, I think, I'm hoping in November to be gone for a whole month. But I'm setting up people like Wilma Leon and Ron Daniels and some other people to be right here. So we'll be on Common Ground every Saturday night. 
What's on your mind with Detroit, I knew you said you were going to be going to the continent, and I thought it was going to be in either this month, but it was going to be in the month of November. (coughs) Excuse me. We had tried to plan it for uh, September, but we've had to, to, to put it off. But it's, it's going to be a month. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you did because with that flooding that y'all had out here always, so it would not have you would not have been sitting very comfortable knowing that you had to leave and what took place yeah, in New England yeah. with all that excessive um, water. Yeah, that's right. But we've got a good sump pump. <laughs> hey, nothing to pump it is when you when you have nowhere for the water to go and everywhere around you is surrounded I by know. water. We've We've actually had that happen, Sarah, where we've had like two feet of water in the basement. Ooh. Because we live we live on a hill, the highest point. And mm-hmm. when it has those heavy rains, the water comes straight down the hill and settles right where we are at the hill. Ooh. It just settles in That's the soil. Run downhill. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it comes from way up, and it just runs. I mean, on my street, when it rains hard, it's just like a river running down the street. So uh, let me ask you about Troy Davis. See, one of the things, Sarah, is that we got a lot of political issues going on in this case. One of them is that the, 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 the victim was a police officer. Yes, ma'am. And with that, it brings a lot of the local politics between the local DA and and the police department and the Benevolence Association and and the mayor brings it brings heat onto the prosecutors, and we know that that goes on. Yeah. The other is that our courts don't work, you know, and, and I keep saying the law, the courts, and the law set for the courts are impediments, barriers to justice, and it certainly plays out in this case. You are very right, because it seems that these people, they only, because it's a white per- person, that was a white officer, and he was, of course, a veteran of the military. His father was a veteran. So that, of course, that adds a lot of weight to it. And here it was, this black man, high school dropout. So, therefore, it must be him. And everything is pointing that it is not, he did not do it. There have been recantation of people who were on the witness stands and saying that, no, it was not him. But my point that I have with, with I don't have a problem with the death penalty. Like I said, if you if you be beyond a reasonable doubt, if you see the person with a smoking gun in their hands and you have no doubt, like the situation that's in Mississippi with Mr. Anderson's case, I don't have a problem in getting these people out of here. The case with Mr. Bird, I don't have a problem in getting them up out of here because this was beyond a doubt. This was there was evidence to point that these people commit this crime. But when you have circumstantial evidence, as in the Troy Davis case, and there is doubt with people pulling back in their testimony, they have been pressured because you're in small town Georgia, and we all know how back then how these how black people, well, not even then, but up to now, how black people are being treated, the intimidation factor. 
I don't want to get this um, solved. And they assume it's, it's him. They want to get the one opinion on him. And these people are out for blood. Yeah, out for blood. That's that's the key. They were out. They were out to solve this case at all at all costs. At all but costs. But one of the things that that is just so that sorely kind of twists at me, Sarah, is the idea that this man's widow, and of course we want justice for her. But with all of the doubt around this case. The she mother still too. supports the execution of Troy Davis. The mother too, because I was reading an article on um, online this afternoon, and she is saying because they had the rally yesterday, and they did an interview and they had an article online on MSN, um, MSNBC, and the mother was saying that it's going to be closure for them as soon as this is over with. You see, this is the kind of thing that I said, you know, with these people. That's why I keep telling people that. White people, Caucasian, Europeans, whatever name you all, you want to tag on them, these people are a whole different breed of people than the rest of us. They are always out for vengeance when something is done to them. They want they, they want you to do, have forgiveness for them. They want to come up with all kinds of circumstantial reasons. You know, okay, I was off my medication. I had a bad day. My wife did not cook my food the right way or whatever. It's, it's the reason why you need to look at me and make an exception in my case. But when something, when they're on the receiving end, they don't care. They don't want to hear no excuse. They're going to say excuses. Um, there's no excuse in the law. You broke the law. We want you to be punished, because all of these people, they're, they're running around here and, you know, saying all this kind of excuse. Because it's like, it's like I'm saying with 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 the James Burke family up here. Everybody was on them trying to get them to. Can we take these this, these people sentenced to life in prison? Want to get them off the get them off a of death row? I don't want them to get off a of death row. Anytime that you can you can deliberately chain somebody to the back of your truck, drag them, decapitate them. I don't. You don't need to be living amongst normal people. Well, I think that that's here. what 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 prison should be about. It should be isolating those people who don't know how to act. Human, humanly, and who do not understand that they can't take other people's lives. I simply cannot accept the notion that we ought to be supporting state murder. Well, it's not state. It, um, it's, it's state murder in a way, but like I said, I don't have a problem because if you take a life, then who do you want to do it? Do you want the family of the deceased to come up here and be the one to take the life of this individual? They need to get up. They need to get up out of here. I don't want my tax dollars to pay for you to lift a ripe old age in in prison to die of natural causes while my loved one had their life snuffed out unexpectedly in such a violent, vicious way. And I can understand those sentiments. I simply, personally, cannot support capital punishment. I think that there is a way, and I think that we have to think through. There is a way to punish people that they wish they were never born. And we can do that in our prison systems. For instance, one of the issues is is economic sufficiency. The same thing that private prisons are doing in working the bejesus out of people who are there because they were distributing marijuana, we can do and should do with people sitting on death row who have clearly 
have clearly been guilty, and they would not be on death row. They would be in special prisons where they are having to work 12 hours a day to for their own room and board. But you see, that's not going to happen, Janice, because these people are I know. supposed to be the most dangerous people. Guards are not going to want to have these people parading them out to go and do work or whether it be on a chain gang in a prison system or wherever. They don't want to take on an added responsibility of taking these kind of the worst of the worst yeah. to do that type of work because most of them, they're, they're violent. The ones yeah, who are I understand. So to me, I would prefer them to be gone. I want them out of here. I want them to stay away how these people were taken off the street viciously, at least they're getting it done in a nice, humane way. They know when they're going, they're going to get some injection and get a nice meal the day before. They're going to get to lay down on a nice cot. Doctor's going to be there to monitor them, get a shot in their arm, and they can lay up, close their eyes, go to sleep, and get on up out of here. Mr. Bird didn't have that luxury. He was dragged for two miles. When yeah, was- I, I think I think that when you come up with cases with cases like that, uh, I certainly understand the sentiment of people who support the death penalty, but I'm, at the same at the same time, I think that we run the risk, as in this case, of executing people where there is doubt about. And this guilt. is why I said, Janice, is that in a case like this where there is doubt that he didn't do it. This this case calls for you to retry this man, get him off of death row, try him, and make sure beyond a reasonable doubt that he was indeed did it. Mr. Bird case, you know, well, these these boys did it. Mr. Anderson case, you know exactly that these boys they did it because you can see it on the video where this boy drove this truck and, and ran over that man on the curb. They did it. You know, the, the the nut job that that shot Gifford, you know, and shot that judge and everybody else in Arizona. You know he did it. Now, white people are going to try and act crazy and do all this foolishness to say, okay, he was out of his mind. He didn't know what he was doing. You see, these people come up with a convoluted way to circumvent the law to find justification as to why it is that they shouldn't get out of here. They always want to take somebody else out, but when it's their turn to go, it's always an excuse why you have to bend the law just so that make an exception just for them. And this is why I have a problem with black people when we always like to show compassion, and especially for white people, and I guess it's from our cultural conditioning that we had from our ancestors being enslaved and the DNA passed down to us, that we always got to feel sympathy for these people, but we don't feel it for, for ourselves. We don't feel it for people that look like us because we want to act vicious to our own kind, but we always want to act compassionate towards them. Well, you know, in the last uh, past four years, three states in the United States, New Jersey, New Mexico, and Illinois, have legislated to abolish the death penalty. And when, when they, and when those governors signed those bills into law, each of them pointed to the risk of irreversible error yeah. as a reason for abolition. And the other thing that we have to that we have to point to is the notion of the the the, the of 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 our principles of human rights uh in the death penalty. Janice, we 
black people are the only ones that like to see the human side of things. Everybody else, when it comes to dealing with us, they don't see humanity in us. They see us as an animal. And I wish that we would take up the same compassion amongst ourselves for our own people and not put it on other people. I don't have a problem in humanity. Like I said, if if there is no doubt, if there's a camera, if if somebody's standing up there and they'll witness it and there is no doubt that you did it, you need to get on up out of here if there's doubt because there's, this is clouded information with Mr. Davis that he did it. This case is one something that you should not even have dragged on for this long. This man has been on death row for 20 years. This stuff should have been overthrown. But like I said, once again, when it comes to black people and the law, as you said, the amount of money that it requires, and the way how the justice system is slanted, this system, the name needs to change from justice because there is no such thing as injustice when it comes to us. Because justice is supposed to be blind, but whenever it it comes for a person of color to get before her, I believe she lifts up her blindfold and she peeks to see who's coming, or she hears by the inflection in their voice, know if they're black or white, and we, we, we get the works. Yeah, but, we, you know, you look at Syria, Bangladesh, Somalia, Palestine, uh, Palestinian uh, Authority, Egypt, Taiwan, Japan, Iraq, Malaysia, Bahrain, Botswana, and those are all countries who have a death penalty. I, I, I don't know if... I want to be in power. I mean, China. China um, 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 executed thousands of people. Iran, 252. Yemen, 53. USA, 46. Going on in, in their in their country, um, Janice, because America have 25 percent of the prisoners is located in this country. We of the world's prisoners. We only 5% of the world population, but we house over 25% of the prisoners worldwide is housed in this country. It tells you something about the nature of the beast in this part of the world. Well, you know, first of all, the death penalty violates the right to life as stated in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Who have a warrant out for Muammar Gaddafi? Who's hunting this man and his children down and dropping drone strikes, trying to kill him? And these are the same people who always talk about the ICC and bringing people before the world court, and they're running around killing somebody. I understand. I understand that, but at the same time, if we are going to protest and push this country to acknowledge and enforce the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, in other areas, we can't just say, okay, well, the death penalty you don't, you don't have to worry about. The death penalty is the ultimate denial of human rights. Genesis, it's premeditated and cold-blooded killing of a human being by the state. It's cruel, inhumane, and degrading punishment, and it taints our justice system. It tends to Janice if you were taking out somebody who um who did not do the crime. There is doubt. Any time that there is doubt, 
that you need to go ahead and hold off on executing people. Like but I said, we are not doing that, and we see that in the Troy Davis case. Let me ask you another question. We could we could go back and forth about the death penalty, but do you think do you think that we waited too long? Can you do you think we can save Troy Davis at this point? Anything you know, the, the ancestors are, is with this boy. Anything could happen because we, we're going to find out on Monday what what went on. Because like I said. This governor that we, well, my old state of Georgia that I left because Nathan Deal, Nathan, Cro- Nathan Crooked Deal, he is one of them little rednecks. Like I said before, this boy in Texas, Lawrence Brewer, his death penalty stuff was set way in advance. His, his death warrant was set for him to get out of here on the 21st. They come up with that date for Troy Davis within, within the past two weeks to get him out of here also on the 21st. You see, so you can't tell me this is not racially motivated. That okay, we're gonna get this white boy in Texas is going out on the twenty first. Let's put this black man also on the docket to go out on the twenty first. So we're gonna do tit for tat. Mhm, mhm. So they can't tell me this was coincidental that he automatically picked this day out of the clear blue sky. These are two Republican governors who don't who have no respect for black people or people of color in particular. And I believe that that he did it. He did it. He did it spitefully. Nathan Deal did it for Troy Davis, and they know that he did not. He did not just the how they're trying to get Mumia and that DA in Philadelphia. You know this that 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 black one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once again, like I said, I don't like dealing with black first nothing because he's about to show himself to show to show. Yeah, master, I can do the job just as good as you. I ain't gonna let this Negro get away mm-hmm. with anything. Well, I think that one of the things is that you have this um this uh judge who signed the death the, the death warrant. And she ought to be um she ought to be um targeted in terms of election running time. her I, off. I all these DAs and judges who run for election, people need to keep a very sharp memory and make yes. sure that they actively yes. participate and get them off the bench. Yeah, because there's another point to this, too, and I hope our audience is, is listening, uh, that the local DA can withdraw his petition requesting an order. And he is black. That's what I'm saying. The one in Savannah is black. The one in Philly yes. with Mumia, he is also black. So therefore, you yes. see that these people they pick they pick their lap dogs, their little puppets to do their job. They pick them and they put them out there to do these dirty work. So we always get these Negroes to do the work. That's why they gotta go. They have all yes. got to go. And I said they wish to God that they was in South Africa where the necktie situation was happening because we would have been a few less Negroes running around up in here. Because this makes absolutely no sense that. You want to do something like that because he could do it. The DA Savannah could could do it. Yes. He didn't have he, yes. he didn't have to do what, what what he did. But you see, once again, we've seen that white white life is more valuable than black life. He's getting pressure from these white people up here, from the boy's mother, his 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 wife, his children, you know, maybe grandchildren now, and everybody is trying to um to push him, and he's looking at you know his political career. This is gonna be for him. Like what happened with Fred Hampton, the um, the DA with Fred Hampton case, how he became irrelevant after the, the assassination of Fred Hampton. This is what's going to happen to him. Because that man lost his career right after that incident happened with Fred Hampton in, in Chicago. 
Mhm. Mhm. Well, uh, I think it needs to make what happened to this um to this deer up in up in Savannah. Well, I I I think that we need to put the pressure on on him as well. Um, and even after, no matter what happens, he needs to go. Like I said, it don't matter. Like you said, if Troy gets speared, and I'm 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 very hopeful that because they have, like I said, the Pope got in on this. Um, Jimmy Carter is in on it. It has, you know. Quite a few people, and then um, the box signatures that they took up there is over what six hundred thousand signatures that they took up there up there to the pardon board. So these people hard got to be made out, out to something worse than granite for them to look go through all of this, all the publicity, and for them to still go ahead and say we want to stay the board. Then we need to know who the heck these people are on the pardon board, and if they're put on the board by the governor, then they need to work something to get them off the board. It needs to be time for some. They need to get some new faces on this board, however they get put on there. Well, we for those of you who do not know, we're talking about the Chatham County District Attorney, Larry Chisholm. And he should face harassment and and a recall. I mean, at some point, we've, we've got to stop playing with you. You're absolutely right, Sarah. At some point, uh, we've got to stop playing uh, with these people, uh, the judge who signed the execution papers, we need to to go after her as well. The pardon board um, members, their name need to be published. Who they are, exactly. To, um, put their exactly. names out there. People need to go to their churches, wherever they go. You need to pick it because, like tomorrow, will be an excellent day for these for these members who whoever they are, whatever church they go to. A group of people need to get up there with some Troy Davis sign and pick it at that church at their churches. Let me get your complaint. Uh, let me get your comments about this, uh, Sarah. While I have you, uh, I have been thinking uh, very deeply about whether or not we are too late. You know, um, it's too late, Janice. You can't say it's too late. You know, like you said. Yeah. Okay. I. I. I mean, I get that part, but I. What I don't get is the notion that Troy Davis has been uh, on death row. This is his fourth order. Uh And up until about a month ago, there wasn't this outpouring. We should have millions and millions of petitions. I mean, over the last four or five years, I know that I have signed uh, at least ten petitions about Troy Davis. Um, and, and, and maybe I'm asking the question and thinking to myself that I've only done three programs about Troy Davis over the last four years. And maybe if in radio we had done more, we would not be here. But then again, I think about um, the appeals and you didn't have the kind of doubt at the at the appeals that you that are that are per, present now, and the recantations of testimony that that you have have now. Uh-huh. Well, so I'm I, you know I'm almost at the point. I'm hoping there is no 
um, parole board that is going to hold uh, and open. Uh, one of the things I was hoping for that Amnesty, ACLU, and the NAACP would push for would be uh, a public hearing. But no. it's it's. But I think the NAACP, they got, like you said, Janice, they, they got in on this. Because I know Amnesty Martina Carrera, his sister, they, they, mm-hmm. she's been working tirelessly, even though this woman is suffering from a relapse of cancer, and she's yes. in a wheelchair. She's been a tireless advocate for her brother, and she's always she been out for all the and, talk shows. Of and not, not only tireless, but she has been a very, um, a, a very um, successful, Effective, mm-hmm. you know. Get them out here. Yeah, um, one of the I, I love her quote uh, when uh, I read something that she wrote. That uh, one of her comments this week is, she says that this fight is bigger than Troy Anthony Davis. This is for all the Troy Anthony Davises that came before him, and all the Troy Anthony Davises that will come after him. This fight has brought people together all over the world of all different ethnicities and backgrounds. We're one family standing in solidarity together and fighting for one cause, justice. And we'll keep fighting until we're no longer standing. That is the the statement by the youngest sister of uh, Troy Davis, Kim, Kim Davis. And we're going to hear from his older sister um, in this broadcast. What is your name, Martine? Okay. Yeah, so, you know. Come on. Yeah. Well, well, Sarah, thank you for your call. And I hope you call Rick's at uh, Rick Perry down there. Um, You know, I've been thinking about you, and I know that you are a recent resident of Texas. So we won't hold you accountable for Rick Perry. What we will hold you accountable for is working uh, working to to at least um, tell his story, that his story will be told. Yes, um, Rick Perry's going to flame out in more ways than one. So, you know, his yes. flame is on the, on the downward yes. spiral. So Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he... Ticket, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> I think it will be a race between uh, Mitt Romney and Huntsman. It's going to be those two. I, no, I, I don't think Huntsman is going to make it. I think I, it. Huntsman, I think the nominee yeah, will Janice, be Mick, Mick Romney. Uh-uh. Janice is going to be Huntsman and Romney. Those are the two because from what I hear, you know, he he's he's one of those the, the rabbit that's slowly creeping up from the back because he's more intellectually sound. He's more of a moderate. He's not like these um, Pentecostalish Republican types coming up there. Uh, it's going to be Huntsman. You mark my word. Y'all going to remember this. It's going to be Huntsman and Romney. It's going to be between them two Mormons as to who it is that's going to get that nomination. Okay. I'm going to write that down. So Write it down. Uh, I, <laughs> I will remember. And I hope that you'll, you'll join us. Uh, we're going to be reporting on the, on the clemency hearing on Monday night um, and holding vigil. Well, actually, uh, Martina, when she gets on here, if they know who these board members are and what church they go to, they need to be out there come tomorrow. Get people at these churches with signs.
to put to get mm-hmm. to these people conscious before Monday. They need to let the people the people need to know that hey, we are after you. Y'all need to think about this while y'all going up in this church and praying to God. What y'all about the decision y'all are about to make when y'all meet on Monday? Yeah. Thanks for your call, Sarah. And oh, you're welcome, you welcome, Jenny. You have a restful. Um, I know Sunday is your research day. <laughs> 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 and thanks for your call. <laughs> okay, you're listening. To, you're listening to our common ground here at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham, your host. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to be looking at the case of Troy Davis even more. Thank you for 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 being with us here tonight at our common ground. This is our common ground. We are all Troy Davis. Demand justice for Troy Davis. Stop this execution. You, you must act and act quickly. We can do it. Stop the execution of Troy Davis. Learn more quickly. Sign petitions. Make those calls. Stop the execution of Troy Davis. We are all Troy Davis. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me. What were you before the white man named you and me? And when were you? And when did you have? inviting you to join TruthWorks Network is proud to bring you Architects of Change with Elvin Dowling and Friends right here at TruthWorks Network Wednesdays 9 p.m. This is Janice Graham inviting you to join Elvin Dowling Architects of Change and Friends each Wednesday 9 p.m. at TruthWorks Network. Change is a good thing. Doing it right is even better. Join Elvin Dowling, a change and motivation coach, right here at TruthWorks Network. Architects of Change with Elvin Dowling and Friends. Wednesdays, TruthWorks Network, 9 p.m. And thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. Tonight we're examining the potential execution or the execution order of Troy Davis. Celebrities who have endorsed Davis's clemency campaign include Michael Stipe, the Indigo Girls, Outcast, Big Boy, CeeLo Green, Harry Belafonte, Russell Simmons, Sandra Sarandon, 
Chaz Guest, Joan Baez, and State Radio. And Davis supporters were held on uh, yesterday, Friday, September 16th, uh, just three days ahead of the clemency board hearing. Uh, the main event where over a 1,000 people attended, including at least six death row exonerees at Woodruff Park, uh, a march from Woodruff Park to Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, for an evening of prayer, reflection, music, and witness. Uh, a coalition of organizations have come to bring mass mobilization uh, to the effort to stop this execution. They include Amnesty International, which has been involved in this case since 1991, the NAACP that got involved this year, the National Action Network, Color of Change, People of Faith Against the Death Penalty, Georgians for our Alternative to the Death Penalty, the ACLU, and many other organizations, and we hope that includes you. We've been providing in our chat room some information about what you can do, what you must do uh, to meet your obligations to resistance and protest on on all fronts uh, to stop this execution. Um, and we're suggesting that you continue to make the calls, making the calls to the Georgia Board of Pardons, making the calls to the Georgia Board uh, Governor, uh, Nate Deal, and to Sign online petitions, find all of them, Color of, of, of Change, Color Lines, Amnesty International, sign them all because there will also be more, um, um, more um, delivery of, of petitions on uh, Monday before the, this hearing. We're also inviting you to be with us here at Our Common Ground on Monday night at 10 p.m. Uh, as we talk about the decision made by the Clemency Board, by the Board of Port, Georgia Board of Port Pardons on this case. Our number is 347-838-9852. Make your voice heard here at Our Common Ground. 773, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call from Chicago. Well, good evening, Janice. How are you this evening? Alpha, what a great show today. Well, thank you, Janice. It, um, it, I can't say my heart wasn't in it, but... Um, yeah, I your find, heart was in that one. I find it Big frustrating rock. to go in, just... Just as I find this Troy Davis situation frustrating, you know, the saving of this man's life is, I would say, should just be the beginning. With all of the doubt, and I put a, I put a link in the chat room, and it, it's really to, uh, appropriate or not, it's to a, a sarcastic cartoon about doubt in this particular case. But it should be unacceptable 
that the recanting witnesses all tell the same tale of police coercion, police abuse, police intimidation to uh, basically rip the so-called testimony out of each one of these witnesses who basically committed perjury. But the perjury was uh, because of the threats and intimidation. A a good example, Antoine Williams testified that he didn't read the statement the police had him sign that night. Why? He said, I cannot read or spell. Oh, I mean, but that's, you know, Janice, after, and and this is just here recently, after the events that happened on the the bridge in uh, Louisiana, uh, I just had it on the tip of my tongue, the name of the bridge, uh, you know, and the police cover up. Danziger Bridge. Danziger, right. Danziger. Danziger Bridge. After the events of the Danziger Bridge, and the, I mean, that's just a prime example, and that goes on in most of the, you know, uh, municipalities throughout this country. When you when you have police officers willing to uh, construct and fabricate and test a lie, then these are the types of situations you're getting, and I, you know, I feel you're right because. These uh, recantations have been around for almost a, over a decade now, and all of them come with a story of police threats, intimidation, and coercion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. unless all of these people got together and constructed their own little story, there need there's something has to be, you know, uh, absolutely wrong with our process. So, therefore, I, you know, ergo the death penalty theory. You know, when Rick Perry was asked about um, the 235 people who were killed uh, via the death penalty, I think Brian Williams, uh, that's his way, that, that was the coward's way in. Instead of him asking him, uh, Rick Perry about the one innocent man that he covered up and halted the investigation, proving his innocence after he had been executed. He allowed Rick Perry to begin his statement with, when you come into Texas and you kill our children, that immediately, immediately drew sympathy for what he was saying because no one gives a damn about people who kill children. And he basically painted these convicted murderers, rapists, the whole nine yards with a broad brush, and the mere fact that he was willing to include both the innocent in that in that group. There are many that deserve to be behind bars. And however people feel about the death penalty, you know that's you know that's a, that's a different topic for a different day. But it has been proven to be tainted. It is proven to be. Uh, unreliable at best. So, ergo, there should be a moratorium on the death penalty everywhere in this nation. Well, the the one governor that called the moratorium, the sitting governor that called the moratorium, didn't he go to prison, Pat, Pat from Illinois? Oh, 
You they call them off them on the death penalty, especially after over 16 people have been exonerated. I now know. I mean, and they has, uh, but let's face it. Uh, Ryan sitting in prison because Ryan was dirty. And look the at the bird. He, you the know, bird. The the what's that man's name? The the the. I did the the show with Mark Clements about Bird. the sh- John Burge and how dirty and nasty and ugly and corrupt and evil and racist the cops are in the city of Chicago that participated in all of that. Hell, Janice, I live here. <laughs> yeah, I know. We know. It's I a, mean, I've lived a, here for it's a, it's a years. It's a one the sewer didn't overflow in the city of Chicago behind the corruption and evil that happened in that jail. Well, not just in that jail. <laughs> the truth be told, that wasn't the only precinct that was torturing and exacting false confessions. That wasn't the only mm-hmm. precinct. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the, the whole notion that... There are two things that are really disturbing me about other than an innocent man may be executed and he is probably in a lot of company of people who are sitting on death row, but the 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 core of what is eating at me is this, that we are always behind the ball rather in front of the ball. And in front of the ball, in this case, would have been an all-out assault on the notion of capital punishment in this country. Well, especially the way it's... This is why states' rights is so dangerous. Because if, if, if Ohio, Wyoming, Indiana, Florida, Texas, South Carolina, Virginia... North Carolina gets their way to win more votes and get more support, they will institute the death penalty. And who will die? Black and brown men and women. The statistics bear that out. You're absolutely right. And the statistics already bear it out. And well, I, I you know, Dennis I have to tell you, you know, when it comes gets right down to it, I don't just come down on the side of the lesser of two evils. You know, that is that is part of the evil that I come down against. That's you know, the other side's not mm-hmm. perfect. Well, hey, That's hey, just, you know, they're 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 even uh, applauding um, a, a white man in his thirties who doesn't have health insurance to die. So guess what they're doing for you, Alpha? Well, you know, like I said, I've lived here I lived here for fifty eight years. And I you know, I've I've worked all over. I mean in all the suburbs all over. And I've seen it firsthand. You know, and when I get when I when I hear people come out and say, Well you you got a black president and racism is down. That's because they simply are ignorant, willfully ignorant. 
to a lot of the things that are going on and a lot of things that are happening. Janice, thank you very much. You got a couple of couple of twelve minutes left here. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you, Alpha. Thank you for your call and for to Sarah and to our friend in five eight five for your calls. I want you to hear uh, before we we close out tonight uh, what a what what two people who are so critical to this case had to say. If I knew then what I know now, Troy Davis would not be on death row. You have a situation that is extremely emotionally charged for the police themselves. The witnesses have testified that they were subject to undue police pressure or coercion. When the witnesses recant that testimony, there's no case left. This person could die for something they didn't do. A verdict that's not ironclad is not good enough to support a death penalty. Troy came within 23 hours of being executed, and the clemency board, the Georgia Pardon Parole Board, gave him a 90-day stay. And we tried to go through the court systems, and the Georgia Supreme Court ruled against us in the spring 4-3 to three, with the chief justice writing a strong dissenting opinion, saying that the court was morally wrong in its decision not to give him at least a hearing, because most likely his hearing would have led to a new trial and Troy would have been exonerated. And so the prosecutors in Savannah, Georgia, what they did was they waited till the Supreme Court was actually out on hiatus, and they got a judge in Savannah to sign a death warrant because the prosecutors do not have to wait for the Supreme Court because we still had a cert petition before the Supreme Court, and they weren't even supposed to review it until October. And so what they did was they tried to circumvent the court by getting an execution date for Troy, and then the parole board came forward, and they moved the clemency hearing up. The execution date is actually September 23rd, but they moved the clemency hearing up until today so they can hear from additional witnesses who have never been heard in a court of law and witnesses who other witnesses have recanted. So today we're hoping that the Georgia Parole Board will stand on its word when they say that there will not be an execution in the state of Georgia when there's doubt. And there's only one witness that stands against Troy, and that's the witness that nine additional people say is the actual murderer in this case. There's no DNA, no gun, no weapon, and only the eyewitness testimony is what convicted my brother Troy Anthony Davis in Savannah, Georgia, of killing an off-duty police officer. And all of those witnesses, except for one, has came and changed their testimony. And the other witness, the only thing that he knew was that the person was left-handed and Troy is right-handed. So today, we had a big rally last night at the state capitol where people came from all over the state of Georgia and other places in the United States. We had clergy. We had groups from all over, all kind of organizations. They're going to have a prayer.
prayer vigil today in front of the parole board from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. We have people faxing letters, texting letters. Uh, we have people calling the parole board, and we're asking for clemency for Troy because the parole board has the power to save his life because the court system failed us and did not address this anti-terrorism and effective death penalty act, which hinders Troy's case. And so right now we're asking them to really save Troy's life, and we want everybody to go to Amnesty International USA.org, and they can find all the information about Troy's case. That's Amnesty International USA.org, and they can just and this case against Troy Davis, which consisted entirely of witness testimony, which contained inconsistencies even at the time of trial. Since then, all but two of the state's non-police witnesses from the trial have recanted or contradicted their testimony. These witnesses have stated in sworn affidavits that they were pressured or coerced by police into testifying or signing statements against Troy Davis. One of the two witnesses who have recanted his testimony is Sylvester Red Coles, the principal alternative suspect, according to the defense, against whom there is new evidence implicating him as the gunman. Nine individuals have signed affidavits implicating Sylvester Coles. Troy Davis is scheduled for execution on September 21st. On Monday, September 19th, the Georgia Board of Pardons and Parole will hold a final clemency hearing, a chance to prevent Troy Davis from being executed. We hope that you will support justice. And in this case, the removal of the law so that justice can prevail. Do not forget that I am and that you are Troy Davis. We hope that you will join us on Monday night here at our common ground to discuss the decision by the Georgia Board of Pardons. I'm Janice Graham. Thank you for being with us tonight. If I knew then what I know now, Troy Davis would not be on death row. situation that is extremely emotionally charged for the police themselves. The witnesses have testified that they were subject to undue police pressure or coercion. When the witnesses recant that testimony, there's no case left. This person could die for something they didn't do. 
a verdict that's not ironclad is not good enough to support a death penalty. Troy Davis is set to die for the murder of a police officer in Savannah. And today, in Atlanta, Davis supporters delivered more than 600,000 petitions to the Georgia Pardon and Paroles Board seeking to stop the execution. And CNN's Gary Tuckman has the Davis story and the reason so many are now calling for his life to be spared. It's anything but a routine question. How scared are you of possibly being executed. But it's relevant, because the man I'm talking to, Troy Davis, may soon be a dead man. A jury only took a few hours to decide he was guilty of murdering a police officer in Savannah, Georgia. A few more hours to decide on lethal injection. Brenda Forrest was one of the jurors. He was definitely guilty. All of the witnesses, um, they were able to, you know, to, to ID him as, as the person who actually did it. There was no DNA or physical evidence against Davis. The primary reason he was convicted? Witness testimony. The slain police officer's wife trusted the witnesses. They were just so adamant about what they saw, when they saw it. But this is how the juror feels today. If I knew then what I know now, Troy Davis would not be on death row. The verdict would be not guilty. What she knows now is this. Almost all of the prosecution's star witnesses have changed their stories. Some saying police pressured them to say Troy Davis did it. One of those people is Daryl Collins, a prosecution witness who signed a police statement implicating Troy Davis. I told them over and over that this is, I didn't see this happen. They put what they wanted to put in that statement. Savannah police officer Mark McPhail was working an off-duty job here. He was providing security at night for this bus station and for this Burger King restaurant that is currently out of business. There was a homeless man in this parking lot who was being harassed and intimidated. He yelled for help. The officer ran over, and seconds later, Officer Mark McPhail was shot and killed. It was tragic, horrifying, and chaotic. And two decades later, it all still is. The man who admitted to harassing the homeless person went to police the next day and told them he saw Troy Davis shoot the officer. Wanted posters went up all over Savannah. A reward offered to catch the so-called dangerous cop killer. Racial tensions inflamed. After the shooting, Troy Davis was in Atlanta four hours away. His sister says, scared for his life. So when my brother decided to turn himself in, they already had a shoot-to-kill order on him. This man, Derek Johnson, a pastor, got in touch with Davis. He volunteered to pick him up and drive him back to Savannah to surrender. He says Troy Davis insisted he was innocent. The pastor, who has never told the story to a reporter before, was stunned. The DA's office never interviewed him. You're with this man for four hours. You're bringing him back to Savannah to police custody. They never interviewed you? Never talked to me. Never asked you a question about your journey? Never. What he said, if he had a weapon, if Nothing. he admitted to the crime, if Nothing. he didn't admit to the crime? Nothing. And this is the one case where nobody wanted to know. And I don't think now, looking back, that anybody cared. The pastor is one of many who now believe facts be damned. Troy Davis was going to be arrested for murder. As for the Savannah police, they have always said their witness interviews were taken properly, no coercion, and prosecutors have stood by the conviction. But a number of witnesses have signed affidavits changing their original testimony. Dorothy Farrell is one of them, a former prison inmate. She writes, I was scared that if I didn't cooperate with the detective, then he might find a way to have me locked up again. So I told the detective that Troy Davis was the shooter, even though the truth was that I didn't see who shot the officer. And a witness named Jeffrey Sapp now writes, 
The police came and talked to me and put a lot of pressure on me to say Troy did this. They made it clear that the only way they would leave me alone is if I told them what they wanted to hear. During the trial, Davis's attorneys tried to... This is Troy Anthony Davis. I've been sitting on George death row for a crime I did not commit. I will never take another human being's life. And this killer is still out there. Our families in mourning. The victim's families in mourning. And the truth is still locked in because I didn't get justice. Does the court system employ racists? Then why are so many black boys in cages? Why shouldn't I be paranoid of hatred? Just look at the curious case of Troy Davis. Let's travel on down to Savannah In the state of Georgia, just south of Atlanta Where they wave a rebel flag like a bandana Hunger ancestors in pose for the cameras A white police officer was shot and killed Over an argument, he tried to stop and heal But here's where the plot was real The main suspect blamed Troy, went to the cops and squealed And with no physical evidence or weapon Troy was arrested for a 187 He said he was an innocent man when he was questioned But they said he did it, who needs a damn confession? They just need a witness, they can press the crime Tell them what to say or they'll arrest the guy Then put them on the stand and make them testify Swear to God to tell the truth and do their best to lie And they did so Troy was found guilty Sent to death row by a team so filthy Even though his innocence was true We pray they don't reminisce over you, my God Almost all of the prosecution's star witnesses have changed their stories Some saying police pressured them to say Troy Davis did Darrell Collins is one of the prosecution witnesses who signed a police statement implicating Troy Davis. And I told them over and over that this is, I didn't see this happen. They put what they wanted to put in that statement. But the truth always comes to light, and Troy Davis didn't give up the fight. He kept filing the bill until it was revealed. The state of Georgia wants an innocent man killed. That's why who's who want him out. Cause it's just too much doubt And witness after witness came forward And admitted the only reason they did it Is cause police insisted So wicked, so vicious The system's broke, so fixed it Two decades, no Christmas Execution dates, full listed Get organized, show resistance Go online, sign those petitions Black Americans know the difference It's a new day, but the same old lynchings I am Troy Davis Families destroyed by cases Why can't we avoid the matrix? Instead of giving his children toys to play with He's waiting his execution Hoping the court stays it And I'm praying and doing We need action, we need movement Cause his innocence is true I pray they don't reminisce over you For real Brenda Forrest was one of the jurors All of the witnesses um, They were able to, you know to, to ID him. This is how the juror feels now. If if I knew then what I know now, Troy Davis would not be on this road. It, the verdict would be not guilty. It's a lot of people believe in the death penalty, but they're still working in Troy's behalf because they believe that Troy is innocent. I believe if all these thousands and thousands of people know that believe and know that Troy is innocent, you know, God sees that. I am Troy Davis. I am Troy Davis. I am Troy Davis. I am Troy Davis.